Thank you for that. Thank you for that wonderful welcome. Uh, it, hey, it's summer. It's summer. You're out of school. How many of you have been sick in the last couple of weeks, like two weeks? How many have been sick? Would you just show me? Uh, was it like congestion, cold type stuff? Yeah? Was it like one of the worst you've had in a while? That, that, no? Does, you, yours was? Mine was. Listen, it was bad. Memorial Day weekend ruined. All I could do was lay around the house, didn't want to go anywhere, didn't feel like doing anything. It was bad. It held on and on and on, and it was coughing and, and blowing my nose everywhere and just on and on and on. And finally, I thought I was over it last weekend. No, it, it came back again. And it held on and on and on, and then something crazy happened this morning. I woke up, and it was Flem's revenge. Because I don't know what happened, but something, I woke up with the worst headache. And something all on this side, not on this side, but all on this side of the face, it felt horrible. And then all of a sudden, it just started coming out. And I don't even know where it was coming from. And then there was more. And then there was more. And it was the weirdest thing ever because all the snot on this side was clear and all of it on this side was this deep yellow, gold, green, sticky. Just And it was, it was weird because I would, I, would, I would blow my nose and it would go, you go. And then it would run clear, like, like I could blow air through my nose. There was nothing there. And so I'm like, okay, I've gotten it all out. And then I'd turn around, and then I'd feel this thing go like that, and it hurt again. And I'd go and blow my nose again, and there'd be so much more. Like, this is coming off my brain or something at this point. This, how is this happening? And it just went on and went on. And I have absolutely no point in telling this story other than to gross you out. Yeah, that's, I just want you to know the gross experience that I've been through today. We're going to camp next week. We're going to camp. I love camp. Some of you in the room, you're not going to camp. That's okay. I'm going to preach tonight about how to pray for camp, but really I'm not preaching about how to pray for camp, I'm pre preaching about how to pray for you. And so if you're not going uh, with us next week, that's okay, you're still going to take something away from this message, or uh, it, it, this is just going to be for everybody, but I especially want those of you who are going to camp to be thinking in context of going to camp next week. I love camp, and particularly... I love where we're going this coming week. Do you know why? Not only is the food absolutely incredible, not only did John Wesley, who is a huge figure in church history, preach in this location, not only did anyone ever studied uh, like American war history, old Ironsides, you know that ship, you've heard of this? The wood, the timber for old Ironsides was logged off of the very property where we're staying. It's like how much more history can happen in one spot. 
Not only all those things, not only do we have Ergen Kainer coming next week, going to speak to us and give us a great, great word. He's already told me about what he's going to preach. It's amazing. Every 15 steps where we're going next week, there is a coffee machine, an espresso machine, and it's free. It's free everywhere we go. I love it. I love it. I just got to get all the snot out of my head so I can taste it. I love camp because I went to so many camps and had absolutely incredible, amazing experiences at all of them. Every single time I went to a camp, I came home with something that marked my life. Those of you who are going to camp with us next week, I want you to begin right now thinking in terms of I am going to receive something next week that will change my life. If you're going to camp next week and you don't want your life to change, you need to change your attitude about what your life is going to look like after you get back from camp. I'm going to give you some prayers to help with that starting tonight. Every single time I went to a camp, the Lord showed up and he spoke something to me. I can, I mean, you can tell me a year and I can tell you what I went to camp and heard the Lord speak to me about. Sometimes there were things that I felt like I was set free from something. Sometimes it was things I felt like gave me purpose and direction. Sometimes it was stuff that, that I needed to reach out into someone else's life about. Sometimes, I, I even remember one year, I was holding something against a relative of mine because of family battle we had gone through with my grandmother who had passed away and living wills and interpretations about heroic means and all this kind of stuff and, and I was holding a lot of bitterness in my heart toward one of my uncles and I had to just let that go. You, you can tell me a year and I can tell you what the Lord did in my life. So those of you who are going to camp next week, you are going so that the Lord can speak and move in your life. And tonight I'm going to tell you how to pray so that that can happen best. So you ready? You ready to go there? I want you to grab your Bible and I want you to turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Woo! Psalm 139. The trajectory of your life could change next week if you will commit to praying along these lines. You're there? You're in 139? Okay, listen. Look in verse 23. This whole psalm, by the way, is absolutely terrific. And this is what I would encourage all of you to do. Tonight, before you go to bed, take out your Bible, take out your device, whatever it is you use to access the Word, and begin in verse 1. There's only 24 verses. Read this psalm verse by verse. Read a verse and then stop and pray that verse. And then read the next verse and stop and pray that verse. And then read the next verse and stop and pray that verse. And so on until you get to the end of the chapter. It will be so meaningful for you. You will begin praying in new ways that you've not even thought of before. Okay, you ready? Listen. Verse 23. Search me. O oh God, and know my heart, test me, 
and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Hey, before I tell you these prayers, can we pray together? Let's just ask the Lord. Father, I want to open by praying to you, by coming before your throne. And Lord, I'm going to ask that your Holy Spirit right now would cease every conversation, every distraction, every telephone issue, every ill feeling, every bit of anger that someone's holding right now that they're steaming about something that happened earlier and they can't get their mind off of it. And Father, I pray you turn our our minds and our attention, our hearts to you. And Lord, I ask that you would invade this place tonight and open our hearts to what you have told us. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Two short verses. They're, they're pretty verses. They're verses that people memorize. It's, it's poetic, it's, and it's also very practical. So here are three prayers that I'm going to ask you to begin praying. Whether you're going to camp or not, if you want the Lord to move in your life, if you're ready to hear a fresh word for him, if you want to see what he has for you, start praying these three prayers. Here's number one. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Prayer number one is, God, search my heart. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes... Write that down. Oh God, search my heart. You know, I think the easiest person to fool sometimes is ourselves. It's us. The easiest person to fool sometimes is ourselves. Hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm doing fine. I'm okay. We spend so much of our time trying to curate our image and and uphold our image for our friends and the people we have following us on social media and everything, and, and, and we know deep down something is not okay. While we're walking around saying, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. How are you doing today? I'm fine. And deep down inside, we know that we're not. You know, there's something terrifying at first, knowing that when we stand before God, there are no secrets He sees everything that we are. He sees all that we've been. He sees all that we've done. There's something terrifying about that at first until you understand who he is, that he's good and he's loving and he's just and he's holy and he's merciful and he's full of grace. And then there's something incredibly freeing and comforting knowing that when I stand before God, he already knows everything horrible about me and loves me anyway. And David says, God, search my heart, know my heart. I want to tell you some stories about camps I've been to tonight. First thing that I've noticed through the years is it's always interesting, some of the students that get saved go into camp. I remember a year in this student ministry, I was not youth pastor at the time, but I was involved in our student ministry, volunteering in it, and we went to a camp in in 2011, and I think that we took 60 people that year, and the first night of camp, the first night of camp, folks, 
35 people came forward for salvation. More than half the room came forward to give their lives to Jesus. I want to tell you something. We didn't have guests in that camp. We had a bunch of kids who'd been sitting in every Wednesday night, been sitting in every Sunday school, they'd been in church every single Sunday, they'd grown up, they'd gone to VBS, they'd gone to children's ministry, they'd come into youth ministry, and we had 35 people come forward that night and give their lives to Christ. Why? Because they had not searched their heart. They'd searched their history, and they said, oh yeah, VBS, I went to the heaven room and got saved, put the check mark on it. Oh yeah, in middle school I did this at, at, at a D-Now and put the check mark on it. And they came to realize that their history was not the same as their heart. One year, this was uh, 2006 I think, I had grown up in, in a, a church for most of my childhood and I'd been all through student ministry in the same church. And something really intriguing happened where at the end of end of my high school days, you know, I graduated from high school, and then very shortly after that, uh, some changes started happening at this church, and long story short, I became for about eight and a half months the interim youth pastor at this church. And so now I find myself 18 years old leading the student ministry I had just graduated from. And we went to Youth Alive, which I was so excited about. Like I, was, I always loved Youth Alive Camp, and I was so excited I got to go one more time, but this time as a leader and not as a student. And so this particular year, for the first time ever, I walked in with the guy who had been my youth pastor, who was now the senior pastor, and I went through the check-in process. We walked in, there's a guy named Tim Lee, Tim is a hero, uh, he came to one of our beast feasts, he was a guy that served in Vietnam, gave both of his legs in, in, in warfare for this country, and now he's an evangelist, he's been an evangelist for 40 years, and every single year he runs Youth Alive Camp. We walked in, we walked up to this table, and my pastor looked at Tim and said, Tim, what are you praying about this year for Youth Alive? And you know what he said? He said, I believe there is a pastor here this year that needs to be saved. Yeah, think about that one. So I'm like, you know, that's pretty bold. That's really cool. I hope I get to see that happen. Well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday happened. Thursday was the last night. Had a really big service, really great and everything, but I, I, I didn't ever see a pastor go forward. Kind of forgot about it. We got home that Sunday. Our pastor, our pastor, listen to what I'm telling you, our pastor got up in front of the church and said, this week I was with our students at Youth Alive Camp, and this is, this is what the Lord began convicting my heart of. And Saturday night, I called up my friend so-and-so, it was another a person in the church, said, can I come over to your house? I don't think I'm saved. Our pastor stood in front of us on a Sunday morning and told a story about how the night before he had gone to someone's house and prayed to receive Christ. You want to talk about shock and awe. Imagine being in a church for years, having this guy as your youth pastor, having him as your senior pastor, and then he comes in on a random Sunday and says, I got saved last night. You know what happened? Everyone in the church took a deep breath 
And it's like, what do we do now? And then one by one, one by one, people began coming forward. People who had been in the church for years. People who had served as deacons. People who had served as Sunday school teachers. People that had served in kids ministry. They start coming forward. Fourteen people got saved that Sunday morning. Because they heard that testimony and they said, I have been sitting in this church all my life and I'm not saved. When we pray, God, know my heart, that is a bold prayer because we're saying, Lord, the way that you know me, reveal that to me. Take down all the barriers, take down all the facades, take down all of the things that I put up to try to get other people to believe that I am a certain way that I am, and take down all the things that I use to fool myself, and show me me as you see me. Here's a second prayer. David prays it. And the way that he says it is, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Second prayer, God, reveal, reveal my fears. God, reveal my fears. Know my anxious thoughts. There are people sitting in this room right now. God has an intended future for you. You might know it. You might not know it but you won't step into it because you're so afraid of giving up control of your life. You're so afraid of giving up control of your dreams. You're so afraid of giving up control of your plans that you cannot step into God's intended future for you. Some of you are afraid to lose friends. Some of you are afraid that you're going to have to do something that you don't want to do. God, Reveal my fears. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, write it down. What we fear the most is where we trust God the least. What we fear the most is where we trust God the least. If your fear is failure, you're not trusting God to be your success, to be your victory. If your biggest fear is your relationships, I'm not going to have any friends or I'm going to lose my boyfriend or girlfriend or I'm never going to have a boyfriend or girlfriend. If your biggest fear is your relationships and you're not trusting God to be your eternal companion. What you fear the most is where you're trusting God the least. If you want to begin seeing a reality of your life, if you, you want to begin seeing who you really are and start praying God know my heart and God reveal my fears and now here's a third one you ready this is the one that potentially will upset everybody in the room and he prays it in the beginning of verse 24 see if there is any offensive way in me if you really want to pray some bold prayers, then number one, God, search my heart. Number two, God, reveal my fears. Number three, God, uncover my sins. It's a big one. 
It's an uncomfortable one. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to even entertain the idea that there is such a thing as sin. He says, if there is any offensive way in me, anything that's offensive to you, God, anything that's displeasing to you, God, anything that that I have grown so used to in my life that it doesn't even affect the way that I see myself anymore. I, I don't even see it as an issue anymore. I don't ever come under conviction about it anymore. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look here and then I'm going to do my, my classic look at the back wall. I'm not looking at anyone in particular in the room, but the reality is everybody in the room can hear what I'm about to say. The Lord knows and you know and I know that there are people in this room that are entertaining sin in their life and they're just allowing it. There are people in this room, you know, and you don't think that other people know, but they know. There's drugs you're putting in your body. There's stuff you're looking at online. There's things that you're doing that God is simply offended by. And we've done it for so long that it's just okay that we're just allowing it. One of the scariest places that a believer can be is when they can no longer sense conviction about the sin in their life. You want to know why? Turn with me to Romans chapter 1. I want to read something to you real quick and then we'll go back to Psalm and we'll finish out. One of the scariest places. Listen. Beginning in verse 18, this is what he says. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. And now listen to this. This is verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave him thanks, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged, listen, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires." That is terrifying. And it gets even worse. Look in verse 29. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, 
slanderers, God-haters, insolent, ignorant, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And listen to this. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. That is terrifying. It's terrifying. God, know my heart. God, reveal my fears. God, uncover my sins. Folks, listen. If you want God to do something in your life tonight, you want him to do something in your life next week at camp, you want him to do something in your life next week, wherever it is in the world you're going to be, you got to begin right here. With God, uncover my sins. God, make me able to sense your conviction in my heart when I go off into the ways of wickedness. I know this is a sober message. I wouldn't preach it to you if I didn't think you needed to hear it. I need to hear it. Next week, a few days from now, we're going to camp. We're going there to hear his voice. If you want to hear his voice, and you want to hear him say something to you other than take care of the sin problem, 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 then let's begin tonight and let's take care of the sin problem. And let's start with a blank page that we can take notes from his voice when we hear it next week. Now listen to what David says in closing. He says it at the end of verse 24. Lead me in the way everlasting. Folks, before we close, you need to hear this. There's a lot of weight in sin. It's serious and it's something we need to deal with. But there is more grace than sin. God's grace was greater than sin. God commanded his love, commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The moment we turn, the moment we repent, the moment that we try to put sin behind us and reach forward to Christ, his grace runs at us and it surrounds us and he purifies our hearts and he moves us from this place where we're just under the weight of sin to this place of absolute grace where we can hear his voice and, and we can sense his direction and we can, we can bask in his love and in his mercy and his goodness. And there's something absolutely incredible that's indescribable that I could never get across to you in words that happens when we simply return to him. I know there's people in the room tonight you love Jesus, but you're following him at a guilty distance. We used to call it in the old days, backslidden, carnal, whatever. 
it doesn't take anything but turning and calling out to him and saying, Jesus, I repent and I need your help and I want to hear your voice. God, reveal my heart. God, reveal my sins. God, reveal my fears. Three bold prayers that will almost guarantee the Lord's going to start moving in your life if you'll let him. Would you bow your heads with me?